Welcome to lesson eight of our Trinity Women's Bible Study. Um, I'm not sure what week this is because we skipped a week for ice and all that. So look in your book and find lesson eight, Might Without Sight. That is the one we're talking about this week. Um, first, I want to pray and then we'll jump into reading. Lord, you're so good to us. You have kept us safe um, in all the things that have been going on. And we praise you for always being faithful. You are our covenant God. You have made a promise to always be with us and to be on our side. And sometimes we feel that way and sometimes we don't. But we ask that your spirit would teach us from this chapter as we see all these men and women who lived a life of, um, of faith and things they could not see because you are faithful to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's read the very end of the previous chapter, chapter 10. Lisa taught us last week about that, and, and we kind of see at the end of that chapter this push, and the writer, you can feel his intensity about the need for them to endure, to hold tight to their confession. So I want to read that and into 11, and then I'm going to skip to the end of, the, of 11. I'll explain why in just a second. So, um, chapter 10, verse 39, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve, preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then in verse 39, And all of these, talking about the people we're going to talk about, Though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Okay, before we jump into this chapter, I just want to highlight that. And I'm getting a lot of this from the books in the homework that I list, all the commentators and the covenant class I listen to. So I just want to give credit to that. But one of the things they said that I thought was worth mentioning was that look at the bookends of this chapter because we're going to see a lot of Old Testament figures. But notice that although we're separated by time and there's this huge 400-year period of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament, we're really not two different groups of people. We're one group of people. Um, the, this there's not a them and us. It's them and us equals we. And that God is actually getting them to wait on us, that, that they didn't get to see Jesus. They didn't get to see all the things that we can see in His Word. But one day we are going to be the one house of God, like it talked about in Hebrews 3. Um, Romans eleven seventeen says, We're one people. We're all one olive tree. Yes, some of us have been grafted in. But we're one bush, one tree. So I just want you to notice that, that, that God sees all of us and the way God saves all of us is through the same sacrifice of Jesus and this great high priest. So, but let's move on because not only are we one people, but we are one faith. We have the same kind of faith. Yes, their faith looked forward to Jesus and ours looks back to Jesus' sacrifice, but honestly, we are all looking forward to when Jesus comes back to get us and everything we believed, we will get to see with our own eyes. So the first uh, point I wanna make is we need a faith with a capital P. 
that's perseverance. <laughs> um, this is not necessarily a definition of faith, the, what the writer gives us. It's a definition of the kind of faith his original readers needed. They needed a faith that would persevere, that, um, that, that was, um, they were getting distracted by things they saw, and he's reminding them of things they cannot see that the things they cannot see are actually the big important things, the real things. The things you see now while tangible, while they may impact you now, they are the small things and they are not the bigger reality. So he also goes on to show us that there's an activity of faith that um, he lists this faith hall of fame, so to speak, um, and shows us what their faith looked like. Um, you know, James says, show me your, you know, that faith and works always go together. You're not saved by your works, but the faith that saves you is accompanied by works. That, that if you, uh, you don't see wind, but you see what the wind does. You see the trees that blow, the leaves that go down the street, um, your hair blowing in the breeze. You can't say, oh, look, there's wind, but you see what the wind is doing. So I want us to look at the kind of faith they had. Um, Let's notice uh, verses 1 through 3. Verse 1, this faith anticipates the future and evaluates the present with conviction of the unseen. These men and women never really got to see what God told them. Um, They had taste of it. They saw little glimpses of it. They experienced tiny portions of it. But, you know, for instance, Abraham and Sarah were promised they would be the parents of a great people. They had one baby. Now, they had a baby, and that was very tangible to them. But they never saw the full promise, and they're waiting on us to see it. Um, I want to read the the, um, portion of verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for them a city. So think about the original readers. They're tempted to go back to Judaism. You may be tempted to go back to how you grew up, the things that are tangible. You may want to go back to the things the world says are dependable, like money and fame and uh, uh, just friendships, whatever it is that the world says, and this is how you get ahead, or this is how you have rest and security. And the writer's saying, you know, those, these people we're about to talk about, they could have gone back. Abraham could have gone back to Ur. <laughs> he could have gone back. He could have left, but he didn't because he got that this was not his homeland. The present that he was going through was not all there is. And what I need to remember and what I hope that you remember is as we are here, as much as all the hopes and dreams we put on this life, they will never be able to happen. So stop. <laughs> I need to relax and not put all the pressure on this life because my next life, the one that God is building, that home is going to last forever. This is just a mere vapor. It's just it feels very real to us right now. 
So he encourages his readers and us with that truth. That um, that that it's like the uh, quote in your homework that Madeline Langle said, and maybe somebody else said it before her. I couldn't figure that out. But some things have to be believed before they're seen. Sometimes you just have to trust God's word, and it's as true as things that you see. Um, there are a lot of things we believe without seeing, but um, sometimes Satan lies to us and makes us want to doubt that God is right and true. But verse 2 also says that they, this kind of faith gets huge, this gets you approved by God, that God loves this, that God approves you, that God says yes, they have a good testimony, they, that God re, uh, rewards their faith by saying, you are mine, and I'm very well pleased with you. And verse 3, uh, it recognize, this faith recognizes God's power. You know, did you ever think about how it, it requires faith to believe God created the world the way Genesis says? And I had a young one of my children, it really uh, was hard for her when she was little, like, did it, did it really happen like that? Um, and she was very smart and thinking, and sometimes you just have to say yes. It did, because God says so. Um, but also, you have to understand the correlation between creation and the new heavens and new earth. If God did that, then He totally can do the new heavens and new earth. He has the power, and that faith points and believes that God has power to do that. And when we look at this list of men and women, we see that they're very ordinary. And some of them are, quite frankly, we would judge them as being bad. Um, but God uses them and, and gives them faith that, that creates great action. So not only did their faith have a personal impact in their own lives, but it has intersected uh, our lives and the church's and God's people's lives. It is, has an ecclesiastical one also. Another, not only a personal impact, but an ecclesiastical impact. That means it impacts the big story of God, how He's saving us and the world. So what is it? Let's just pause right here and ask, okay, what do you struggle to believe? Is it that God created the heavens and earth with words? Is it um, that He loves you? Is it that all things work together for, for good for those who love Him? What is it you're struggling to believe? Um, you know, they did not have all the information. When my dad died on Valentine's, I struggled with, I don't understand where he is right now. On paper, I knew he's quote-unquote in heaven. He's in heaven with Jesus. But as you know, he was very, very present one minute and very not present when he died. And I struggled to feel like there's a, there's a chasm between me and my dad. And I don't understand what he is seeing right now. What is his experience like? And it made me feel very far away. And I was shocked at the struggle to believe or that was this doubt or, you know, the whispers of, was this just a myth? Did this just, was his way to get through life? Um, and so I understand that there are places like that for us. A child has died. Um, a cancer diagnosis has come. You've lost your keys. All these things you know. As a good Christian girl, God sees it and God knows it. So why is God letting it happen? And we want sometimes more information and God does not give it to us. You know, in His Word, He gives us enough information to believe and to understand and to be saved. He does not give us all the information. Can we be humble enough to accept our place as created women 
to, to trust. Um, life is not our reality and our present is molded by this trust, by this future looking world that the things, um, when did I talk about this? Was it last Bible study? Anyway, the whole idea of the, the, the marshmallow project where a child is offered two marshmallows if you wait, you know, five minutes. And sometimes we just want the two marshmallows now. But God is saying, look, there's something better if you just persevere, if you just endure. I've got so many marshmallows for you. Um, I love the show Law and Order. I like the old ones. Um, I'm not especially an SCVU fan, but I do love the old ones and I love that good detective work and, and then the legal work and the courtroom scenes um, in New York are great. And so I picture these men and women of Hebrews 11 as being the character witnesses that come in, that come in and sit at the chair one after another and say, God was faithful to me. God's word happened. It's true. Because right now they're all dead and they're seeing what we can't see. And they're waiting for when we all see the real stuff, the, the, the mansions Jesus said, I'm going to prepare for you, all those things. They are the witnesses that say God is faithful and tells, they tell us this. Um, but like I said, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Uh, Job, when he lost everything except for maybe his cranky wife, he says in this, he's struggling to believe and trust God and make his world make sense with a God he knows and has a relationship with, but yet all these horrible things are happening. In Job 13, 15, though he slay me, I will trust him. Um, and that is kind of where we are when we look at these people. Some of them had great lives. Some of them got to hold a baby because of their faith. Others died because of their faith. So we want to, uh, to look at what was their faith like because it does provide a template for us, for our faith. So I want to introduce you to the Faith Club. Um, some people call this the Faith Hall of Fame. And so let's read uh, uh, verses 4 through 7 real quickly. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, he, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham... Oh, I'll stop there. Okay, so right here we see the early days of the Bible. And these are, these are the days we talked about last semester, which is why I love these two Bible studies being side by side. Let's look at what faith produced. Well, in Abel, believing was worshiping. And it was worshiping the way God said to from the heart. That, the, that God being pleased about worship was much more important than how Abel felt about it. And we see Cain as a, like a contrast. 
He worshiped, but it wasn't the kind God wanted. By faith, we believe that we just do what God says in worship, and we want to worship the way He has said, not make ourselves feel real worshipy or real fancy or real whatever we want to do as humans, but that this is a vertical faith. We trust God. We, we worship Him the way He says. Um, then look at Enoch. Believing produces this pleasure. You, God is pleased by this faith. And that Enoch had a relationship with God where he just walks with God and is so tight that God just takes him. He doesn't even see death. And then we see Noah that faith also means you're an evangelist and you, you, you know, Noah preached for all the years he was building that ark, but he also was siding with God and believing that there was going to be a judgment, that the sin was condemning the world and the world was condemned. And by faith, Noah believed that and acted accordingly. And he also, by faith, offered salvation in this ark. Um, we see that uh, these were kind of those days where it was so early in the history of the world, but faith was very active already. Um, so that's really cool. But then we shift to the next section, and let's start reading in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For when he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Um, let's skip on down to 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So now we're going to look at this section of the patriarchs. This is where we studied Genesis. Abraham through Joseph are known as the patriarchs. That's their nickname. And it shows that the, the next section is going to be more when God had a people of God. Right now, this is talking about faith and the action of his family, the family of God, when it was 70 or less. Um, if you, this was a great way one of the commentators said it, that faith, uh, the patriarchs walked by faith. The judges and the kings, so when God's family is a people, so Moses on, that the judges and kings fought by faith. So faith is needed to endure a weight, like the patriarchs had, and a war, which is basically what Moses on had. So that is very interesting to me that in the different phases of God's people from one person to family to 
huge people in a country that faith was needed and it looked different. It looked different in the different seasons. For the patriarchs, it looked like patience. It looked like walking by faith. Um, and I think a lot of what we saw in Genesis last semester was how broken these people were. And what's so encouraging is we saw Sarah laugh, for instance, in Genesis. We're seeing the other side of that story, that she also believed that God was big enough and good enough and faithful enough to keep his promise. So I thought that was very encouraging. So when we look at the patriarchs, we see that although there was all this crazy stuff, there was still faith, that it was a messy path, yes, but it was a worthwhile path. And your path may be messy. You may be a disaster, but that doesn't disqualify you from this kind of faith and this race that we'll talk about next week. But now back to Moses. Moses kind of gives a template and we see a pattern that provides for the rest of the kings and the judges. So let's just read that in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and that they were not afraid of the king's addict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he'd endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more can I say? And we pause there. Because the writer, like any good Bible study teacher or preacher, does not have enough time because they see all these stories. They see all the people jumping off the pages of the Old Testament and they go, I can't even have time to tell you. And I'm trying to stick to a timetable, but what I really want to do is just open up and talk about each one of these stories that are so fascinating and so fun, but there's not enough time. So I'm going to, thanks to my Covenant Seminary class podcast, I'm going to give you kind of three categories to put them in. First of all, there's a positive experience to their faith. Like I said, Sarah has a baby. Rahab escapes judgment and has a new life with the people of God. Um, You know, David defeated Goliath, things like that. The kings won battles. Um, Sarah holds a baby. But then there are also those scary scary times of faith when it refers to they shut faith shut the the lion's mouths okay that's not as fun to me as having a baby okay that's not as fun to me as you know living among god's people and married into it and experiencing that community uh there there are things that are scary that faith takes you through but then there is also the negative that some of these people actually endured torture and had death you know, they, he mentions being sawn in two. Um, the, I think it's Isaiah that, that history, we think that was, that Isaiah was literally sawn with a saw in two. That, that's negative. 
somehow faith is active in those those times too. So see how faith does not look the same in everyone's lives, but it is active and it is giving you endurance for whatever that is, whether it's walking a path, fighting a war, or just holding on. These provide this pattern. So I want to real quickly look at this pattern. It was responsive. Let me just go through them. It was responsive, sacrificial, courageous, persistent, and dependent. Okay, it was responsive in like, look at Abel, look at Jacob. They were worshiping. Um, They did something um, because of it. Um, Noah was an evangelistic you know, figure and that he was preaching while he was building the ark. There was a response in the, with their faith. It was sacrificial. Uh, Samson killed himself to honor God at that last moment of his life. Um, there are these tough lives, these, the lives that were not fun. And it even says, of whom the world is not worthy. That means the, the people that we would despise and think their life is stinks and that is so bad for them and I don't want a life like that wandering around in the wilderness eating beeswax or whatever. They were also courageous. Look at David's huge battles. Look at the battles of Joshua. Look at all the prophets who faced enemies and were just just not, not the most popular person in town because of faith. They were persistent. Uh, Joseph, even as he is starting to uh, die, he is persistent. You better take my bones with you because I know God's going to keep his promise. I know I'm, my home is not Egypt and I know God's people are going to go back to the promised land and I want to be there too. You know, think about the persistence that faith produced when the people of God marched seven times around Jericho. I mean, that would have made anybody in the war department cringe. Like, what good is that doing? But yet they were very persistent. Um, They did not give in to torture and disavow their God. They counted it that that actually I'm going to have a better reward because I'm dying this way. It's fascinating. But they were very dependent on God's power. Look at Abraham. Trusting God would just resurrect Isaac if that's what was going to happen. Sarah, God has power to make an 89-year-old woman pregnant and believe in it. And thinking about dependent on God's character that Rahab trusted that a God like God is would love a woman like she was, a prostitute who worked in the enemy camp. It's amazing. So therefore, because that was the kind of faith they had, they enjoyed a faith. And this is, to get the feel for this, read some of the Psalms that they could feel confident God is in control. They They were guilt-free and that they knew they had God's approval because faith is the thing that makes God so happy. Of course, He gives us that faith, but it makes Him so, so happy with us. They were on a quest. They had a purpose to their life. They weren't going, what's the point? They knew the point, and the point was on the other side of death, and that always influenced their purpose here. You know, in our catechism, we say, what is the chief end of man? The man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, forever. So this is, not, this is, just, this is just the prologue to your life. Um, they had discernment. They knew what to do when it came time. And they were secure. They had that peace that passes understanding. So how's that hit you today? 
Do you feel that faith? <laughs> do you go, whoo, that's overwhelming. You know, usually we throw money at a need for security or beauty or athletic ability at our need for confidence. Um, Sometimes if we have children, we want to boost their self-esteem in all these ways, but have we ever considered that actually faith in God is the avenue for boosting self-esteem? Because you finally have some, something, that's God, who won't shift or change. You have the bedrock that gives you the way to pivot in a confident way, in a guilt-free way, in a have-a-purpose way. Um, Let's think about that though, because if you're like me, you kind of go, well, what do these people have that I don't have? Because I don't see me coming up in a list like this. Um, it's it, the, And I was talking to my husband this morning, and I told him I was filming this, and he said, well, which of the people on the list were the most surprising? And I mean, without a bit, I said, well, Jephthah, because he sacrificed his daughter. And Lee looked at me with this look on his face like, what? And I said, yep and he's awful and we would get the same look she's on that list um these are very ordinary people these are sinners these are people who did not have great moments but by faith god worked um samson was a ladies man he was an idiot he he was just like what was he thinking delilah come on don't you know his mama and daddy went to their grave thinking we have screwed up the prophet or the judge or whatever that we were given this special baby and we have somehow unparented him so bad that he is in the arms of delilah but yet at the very end of his life he totally made a huge win for god sacrificially and then you have jephthah who you know, was a judge and he was the son of an illegitimate, he was an illegitimate son and he had all these victories and did all this stuff and then said, I'm going to sacrifice the first thing that comes out to greet me. And I'm sure he was thinking it would be a, an animal and it was his daughter. Now, I, don't, I personally don't think God wanted him to do that, but that's another Bible study. Rahab the prostitute. I mean, all these things, these are not superheroes. They're normal people like you and me. So what we have to do to enjoy the faith they had, to have the faith they had, is like that movie, Bend It Like Beckham. We have to, we have to look and mimic them and walk in their path, do what they do. If I want to be a great soccer player, I need to look at Beckham. I need to, to bend it like Beckham and do what they did. So here are the three things they did. They asked. Second, listened. Third, practiced. Ask. Mark 9, 24. Revelation 22, 17. This faith is free. All you have to do is ask. When you have weak faith, all you have to do is say, help my unbelief. You have to listen. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing cannot happen without the word of God. Listen to God's word. When I've been struggling after my dad's death, the one place where I've found a groove of comfort is when I'm reading the Psalms or when I'm in God's Word. It's almost like it chases away that dark, dank feel of the shadow of the valley of death. Listen to God's Word. Find a friend who can remind you of God's Word. And thirdly, practice. In Luke 16, 10, Jesus says, whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in larger ones. So practice your faith muscles. Um, 
one of the there's a book called uh, Voices from the Past, and this is a quote. And I man, I meant to write down the writer and page number, but I forgot. But this is the quote: "The beauty of faith is its use. Don't just have muscles; use them. Let a man diligently and thoroughly improve his faith, and the joy it will bring to him will be great." So waiting pushing through, holding on. These are activities of faith that are making your faith stronger. So practice those little things and that gets you ready for the bigger things. And so not only are we in this faith club with them because we have the same faith, the same free offer that Jesus offers us, but they are waiting on us. We're kind of like the new initiates of this club of faith. And Hebrews 11:40 says, and they are not going to get their cake until we're all there to slice it together. But they're waiting on us. They are waiting on us. My daddy is waiting on me. We are, they are waiting until we can all have this feast together. So, you know, next week we're going to talk about the race. And when I saw my daddy die, I saw in real time and at the end, you know, the Ecclesiastes writer, I think, says it's better to go to a funeral than to a wedding because I think you see things so clearly based on the future. And he was a football player. He loved to tackle. He was some kind of, I don't know, I can't remember the position, but he was defense and he liked to hit. I remember that. And so he was intense. But I saw him and I just remember thinking, all those sacrifices he made in his life, all the hard positions he took, all the times he messed up trying to do the right thing, all the ways people misunderstood him, it was worth it. He wasn't thinking about all that. He had, just like he played football, hit it with intensity and left it all in the field. And it was so worth it. And so I want us to consider that that's what the Hall of Fame faith people did. They left it on the field. Messy? Perfect? No, not perfect. But that faith, that faith that God gave them helped them endure. So that's what we're going to look at next week. Thanks.